At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, as we've got ourselves two jam-packed hours these next two hours of just college basketball breakdowns, 150 games that are going to be coming up for the Saturday. We'll have you covered all day long over here at VEASAN, obviously. Going to be diving into a lot of the big game specials, the props, because I mean, when it comes to being able to bet on a lot, college basketball certainly fits the bill, and got a lot of pop props to be able to break down as well, so... We're going to try to get through as many of those on the network within the next week as possible. I'll be doing more props with regards to the Super Bowl next week here on the Greg Peterson Experience and on Sunday as well. But with that said, we've got to be hitting on a big giant game that we've got on this college basketball Saturday and got to give a shout out to everyone back there behind the scenes. We were having a good chat prior to me coming on here about polka music as we've got my good buddy Andrew, the technical director. He came in wearing a UW Oshkosh shirt. If there is an A-plus that can be had for a technical director, if you wear a UW Oshkosh shirt, you get it from me because that is my alma mater, the reigning D3 national champions out there in college basketball. So a big thanks to him. You've got my wonderful producer, Brian Ortega. He knows about the UP and what UPers are, so I give him a lot of credit. That makes me just feel very proud of myself. Oliver, who does a terrific job as our PA, he's the guy that he winds up posting up all the podcasts at the end of the hour. So if you wind up missing anything and you wind up listening back, well, you've got Oliver to thank for that. And then you got my man, Brad, who always gets me set up on the audio. So all these guys make everything that I wind up doing here possible. So a big thanks to them. They are truly the best in the business. I now have to live up to my end of the bargain because these guys, they certainly did. So how about if we wind up going with the granddaddy rivalry here? We're going to be going Duke versus North Carolina. And right now you're finding Duke as about a three-point favorite in a lot of spots. You're going to be seeing, I'm sure, a little bit of fluctuation throughout the day. But right now when it comes to 747, 748 on the betting board, Duke is a three-point favorite. Totals anywhere between 150 and a half and 151. Totals up from the opener of 149.5, and I agree with the line move. I would set this total more in the early 150 range. I want to make my line, personally, more in the pocket of about a 152-ish. So I do line up with the over here. I still think that there's a little bit of value. But with that said, what I wound up giving out for DK Nation, as I always have to give out one every single day, Always wish I could do a little bit more than one, but with that said, you always wind up getting narrowed down to one because there's only so much room for it. I wound up giving out North Carolina on the money line. I think that they are going to be able to get the job done in this game. 
four out of the last five meetings in Chapel, North Carolina has been able to get the WN. It's a North Carolina team that has been able to cover seven out of the last eight games between these teams in the last four seasons. So North Carolina has had a lot of success in the rivalry. Got a North Carolina team that they shoot it really well from three-point range as well. And for Duke, they overall are a relatively solid three-point shooting team. Overall for the season, they're shooting a little bit over 36% from three-point range. But in true road games, they only shoot 30.8% from distance. Meanwhile, North Carolina at home, they're shooting at, at a clip of 41% from distance. Now, you've been dealing with, for North Carolina, a little bit of an injury to Dawson Garcia. Good, versatile, 6'10", 6'11", big man that's able to pop threes. Good news is, you've got another one in Brady Manick that's able to take his place. And how about what you've been able to get out of Armando Baycoat? This guy in the last nine games is averaging, and I'm not even kidding here, 16.3 rebounds per game. He has been able to give the team at least 10 rebounds, and I believe it is now all but one game ever since the beginning of December. That is 16 games, so in 15 of them, 10-plus rebounds. He has been rock-solid down low. And though North Carolina is not necessarily the same team on the glass as they were last season, they are not allowing teams to be able to get second chances. North Carolina not necessarily as good on the offensive glass, but on the defensive glass, they allow opponents to get a rebound on right around 19% of their misses. Out of 358 D1 teams, they are second in the country at not allowing opponents to get a rebound on misses. And... When it comes to this Duke team, they can be a little bit suspect from three-point range. Now, A.J. Griffin has come in, and in true road games, he shoots over 65% from three-point range. I can tell you right now that it's not sustainable. Is A.J. Griffin a really good shooter? Yes. Is he going to continue to shoot over 65% from three-point range in true road games? I don't think so. And this is a North Carolina team that they themselves... Shall we say they don't necessarily play the world's greatest defense, but you still have Caleb Love. He's been able to do a solid job along with RJ Davis. These two guys combined to be able to give you a little bit over seven assists. Both of these guys shoot over 40% from three-point range. And for Duke, Paul Banchero. No question, he's going to be able to have a good game in this one. I I see him being able to have like a 20 and 10. Overall for the season, he's been able to give you 18 and 7, but it's not like this is a Duke team that is going out there getting you a bunch of turnovers. I think that you're going to have a lot of clean possessions. I think that both teams are going to have their open looks. I just think that North Carolina is going to be able to bury more threes. And as we know, this is going to be a very emotional game for Coach K. Last time over there at Chapel Hill, we've been seeing it with so many of the places that Duke has been going to. They wind up presenting a little bit of a token to Coach K because, well, I guess his house doesn't have enough like pieces of hardwood and everything like that. So as he needs a couple more, but North Carolina is not going to be doing that. I know that this has been made a big deal of in the media. I think that it's a big giant nothing burger, but what I think is even bigger is that you know that North Carolina is going to want to ruin this if at all possible. And you know that the fans out there at Cameron Indoor, when they wind up having their return trip in a few weeks, they are going to be up and at them trying to do everything humanly possible to make sure that Coach K winds up going out on top in this rivalry in that one as well. I think that the fans are going to be out. I think that home court is going to be playing a big role, even though it is about a 9 to 10 mile bus trip away. I do think that North Carolina gets the job done in this one. North Carolina on the money line is what I'm giving out for DK Nation. And when it comes to the total, I want to say my total at 152.5. So we're going to be taking a look at the over despite the fact that we have seen a little bit of a line move on this game. But I think that it's a relatively justified line move. How about this one? We wind up going a little bit up to the top of the betting board. 603-604. UNC Greensboro. They're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against Furman. So, hey, we're staying out there in the state of North Carolina with at least one of the teams. Greensboro's finding themselves as an 11 to an 11-point underdog. 
will actually open up a 12 and a half point dog in your 12 ounce game, finding it anywhere between a 129 and a half and a 131. UNC Greensboro is one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. In terms of a possessions per game basis, 340th out of 358 teams. They are coached by Mike Jones. You may ask who, and I say Mike Jones. He has been able to do a very solid job of being able to get this team to really throttle down. He's been able to have Demonte Buckingham doing a nice job. 13 points, eight and a half rebounds. He shoots over 40% from three. Problem is, other than Demonte Buckingham, this team really doesn't have a luck lot. And then you take a look at this firm a bunch, and I've been highly impressed by them. Jalen Slauson on any given night is able to give you a triple-double. He's been averaging between 15 to 16 points per game, seven and a half rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks per contest. So he has been absolutely terrific with that regard. But you also take a look at someone like a Conley Garrison. He has been able to do a rock solid job being able to shoot over 45% from three point range for this team. You've got a lot of good players for this Furman team that have been able to step up, know their role. Guys like Mike Bothwell, Longs, Alex Hunter, they combine to be able to shoot about 40% from three point range out there in the backcourt. But for UNC Greensboro, you've gotten a little bit more production out of the Langley's. Kobe Langley has been able to step up a little bit more recently. Mohamed Abdul Salam, not necessarily giving you what he did last year. He, last year, wound up having more like eight rebounds per game this year. It's been more in the neighborhood, about four and a half. So that's been a little bit of an issue for the team and UNC Greensboro. They do turn the ball over a little bit too much, right around 13 and a half turnovers per game, but they've been doing a better job of being able to lock that down a little bit more. This is a line that I wound up setting at 11 personally. This actually opened up at 12 and a half. So we have seen a little bit of a line move on this. And I think rightfully so. Furman is a team that I do think that they're going to be able to get theirs. We wound up seeing them hang a 100 burger on the Citadel a couple days ago. So I do think that they're certainly going to be able to get their points. I do think that UNC Greensboro is going to have a tough time matching up because this is a Furman team that even though they don't necessarily play necessarily overly up-tempo, they're right around 200th with regards to possessions per game. They're still able to get to 80 on any given night. I don't think that they're going to be able to get to 80 here, but I wound up saying my total at 131. I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a sped-up game in UNC Greensboro. They themselves have been finding a little bit more offensive production with being able to reduce the turnover. So I'm taking a look at the over. Set Furman as an 11-point favorite. So here at the 115 Slash, I'm now seeing a couple 12s out there as well. We're going to be taking a look at the points along with this total over. I know that we wound up getting asked about some of the bigger games as well. And I know that one of intrigue is certainly going to be this Kansas-Baylor game because, well, you've got a lot of injury information to sift through in this one. 693-694. Baylor hits the road face off against Kansas. Two to two and a half points is what Kansas is laying, depending on your bookend. You're finding the total anywhere between 147 and 147 half and Spot of which I want to say Kansas is a three-point favorite. You saw O'Shea Ogbaji wind up getting cleared for this game earlier in the day. So O'Shea is going to be out there in the fold. The guy that's able to give you 21 points, shooting 45% from three. And when it comes to the player of the year race, he deserves to be at minimum a top five contender. I don't know if I would necessarily put him number one, but he certainly is in my top five. The big question is, what are you going to be able to get out of David McCormick? Because David McCormick in the team's last five games has given you 14 and 15 rebounds in two of them. He wound up having a five-rebound performance, a four-rebound performance, and one of one rebound. So, I mean, this guy is so all over the place. It's not even funny. Now, Jalen Wilson has been able to do a good job. He's been able to give you seven rebounds per game. So, I like what he's able to bring to the table. And for Baylor, they've got a pair of guys that are questionable for this game. Adam Flagler along with LJ Cryer. I think the way that you've got to handicap this is that you got to handicap it as if both wind up playing, but both wind up playing at much less than 100%. So 
It's a case in which if you wind up making these guys worth, we're going to throw out there a point half each to the line. So three points in total for Cryer along with Adam Flagler. You maybe take the 50-50 approach. And I wound up doing this myself in that both guys wind up playing, but both guys wind up playing hobbled and not necessarily to their abilities. So that's why I wound up landing on three in this game. If both guys wind up being completely out, I'd be willing to push Kansas to more around a four to four and a half here. But I do think that you're going to get a little bit of an effort out of both of these guys. Cryer does shoot 45% from three. And when it comes to this Kansas team, I think that they're going to do a relatively solid job in this game of burying their threes as well. We'll be diving into this game a little bit more next. And continuing on with this college basketball betting board for Saturday next. Right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You already know that VSIN is the best place to get all of the betting insights for the big game. And right now, you're able to sign up and get our free big game betting guide. This digital guide gives you trends, strategies, props to watch, and tips from all of our experts. Visit VSIN.com slash Super Bowl to get your free guide and get ready for the biggest football game of the year with all the betting action to go with it. That is at vcin.com slash Super Bowl as it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on vcin, the sports betting network. And well, that is going to be a big game next week, but you know, it's even bigger 150 games to break down in the college basketball betting board. I don't know if necessarily some of these games, like we're going to throw out there. We just go down the board and pick one at random. Florida Gulf Coast versus Lipscomb. It's necessarily as big as a big game, but you know what? If it winds up making you money, it is a big game, and that's all that matters right there. But we were talking about Kansas versus Baylor a little bit earlier, as I described. You've got O'Shea Ubaji who's going to be in the fold for Kansas. They're finding themselves between two and two and a half point favorites, and I'm willing to lay up to three as of right now. When it comes to Baylor, a lot of question marks when it comes to the team, but I do think that it's going to be a little bit tough for Jonathan Chamachachua down low against guys like Jalen Wilson. And when it comes to Baylor as well, do have Flo Thamba is able to give you a block per contest, but Baylor just has not looked like the same team recently. And though he's going to be playing in this game, James Akinjo has really been turning the ball over a lot. You can tell that he's playing on significantly less than 100%. And it's a big reason why when it comes to injury information in general, it's very important to gauge how close to 100% a guy is as well, because I mean, it's not just enough for a guy to wind up going out there and playing. I mean, we've seen it with Xavier Pinson in the last few games, 
with LSU, even though he's been playing. I mean, when you wind up putting up zero points, you play like 20 minutes and you wind up having zero points or 13, zero points in 13 minutes and multiple turnovers. Well, that's just a big giant issue for that. You're almost better off not having them out there. So I do think that it's something where you've got to be gauging that. Like I said, if you wind up making it, Flagler and Cryer being worth three points a line. I'm just throwing out their hypothetical number, by the way. Everyone's is going to vary, but with that said, let's say that you just make both guys worth three. Maybe you take a 50-50 approach. I've done that personally when it comes to this Baylor versus Kansas game. So I'm looking at Kansas willing to lay up to three with them right now. If something winds up changing in the afternoon, certainly we'll be noting that. And with the total, set it at a 142. Baylor's been one of the top teams at all of college basketball when it comes to when it comes to points a lot on a per possession basis and Kansas, they themselves with regards to points scored on a per possession basis over the last month, we have seen that decrease by darn near 13 points per 100 possessions from what you wound up seeing the first two months of the season. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under in the spot and I'm going to be taking a look at Kansas willing to lay up to three with them. When it comes to this board, you've got just a whole bunch of marquee games and the Alabama versus Kentucky game is certainly going to be one of the more marquee on the board as you've got Kentucky, a little bit of a road favorite here. You have to go way down the board for this one. It's going to be one of the later ones, 791, 792. Right now, Alabama finds themselves in a lot of spots anywhere between a one and one and a half point underdog. By the way, if you like Kentucky, hopefully you're out here in Las Vegas because they're right now one and a half point dog where I'm at right now. That is really the only place that I'm seeing this, but we've seen a little bit of buyback here on Alabama and your Toulon's game, finding it anywhere between 157 and 157 half. And with Kentucky, I just think that they're the better team in this spot. I do recognize that having to Tuscaloosa is never an easy task, but how is Alabama going to be able to stop Oscar Sheway? Because I have absolutely no idea. Alabama does not have the size to be able to match up very well with them. You do have someone like Noah Gurley, Charles Badeco. These guys have been okay down low for Alabama, but you got Oscar Sheboy averaging 16 and a half points and 15 boards per game and an Alabama team that they try to go at you with positionless basketball. This seems like a really bad matchup. And then you've also got Kellen Grady, who for Alabama, or who for Kentucky has been able to shoot over 40% from three-point range. Alabama has been very suspect with their three-point shooting. They shoot right around 32% from distance. You wind up seeing them be able to take down Baylor last week in a similar spot. But I think that this is just a case of Kentucky has a little bit of different weapons. I think that they do a better job down low, and that's really the way to be able to hurt this Alabama team. And when it comes to Crimson Tide, they don't necessarily generate a lot of seals. They turn the ball over 13 and a half times per game. Now, the one question that you do have with Kentucky is what form of tie tie Washington are you going to be able to get? Because we recall when he wound up playing in that game against Kansas last week, he wound up having just two points in that one. In the game that we wound up seeing against Vanderbilt, he was out there. Did not look like he was 100%, but you still have Xavier Wheeler being able to give you right around seven assists per game. I think that this Kentucky team is going to be just fine with him being out there. Keon Ellis has been able to give you right around six boards per game for this Alabama team. Double-digit score. You've got Javon Quinterly along Jaden Shackelford being able to combine for about 31 points per game. But I've got massive question marks when it comes to how Alabama is going to be able to win the battle down low. And when it comes to Alabama... They are one of the fastest teams in all of college basketball with regards to points on a per-possession basis, and they also rank outside the top 150 when it comes to 
points allowed on a per possession basis, but got a Kentucky team that is relatively south down low. You know that Kentucky is going to want this to be a little bit more of a grind them out game. That way they're able to use Oscar Sheway to his fullest. And I think that it's going to be Kentucky that winds up getting their tempo that allowed them to have their way in this game with regards to how it's dictated. And I think that they're going to be able to do a good job of being able to get down low in this spot. Well, I'm saying Kentucky has a four-point favorite, so I'm going to be willing to lay it here. Also, made my total 154. I think we've gotten up a little bit too lofty. I do recognize that Alabama has been really bad when it comes to their defense, but I think that because the Kentucky Wildcats are going to want to get the ball into Oscar Sheboy as much as possible, that they're going to, in turn, also slow this game down a little bit more. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm willing to lay it here. When it comes to Kentucky, when it comes to games out there on the West Coast, We've got a couple good ones that are going to be going down. Even out there in the big sky, you've got some good action. How about if we go with a late game of 8-13, 8-14? You've got Eastern Washington. who's going to be going on the road. They're going to be facing off against Southern Utah. Southern Utah is finding themselves a 7-point favorite, seeing a straight 7.5 out there as well. Totals any between 153 and 154. And I want to saying Southern Utah as a 9.5-point favorite. It was simple for me on this one. Anything of single digits, one to lay with Southern Utah. Double digits, that would be my buy point on Eastern Washington. Now, Eastern Washington has actually been relatively impressive this year. They wind up losing their coach, Shante Leggins. They have to pretty much overall what they wind up having in general. But when it comes to Eastern Washington, you have a guy by the name of Stile Venters who has been able to do a relatively good job of being able to shoot it from three-point range. able will give you 16 points per game. Not necessarily a guy that is going to be hauling in there a bunch of rebounds, giving you a bunch of assists or anything like that, but does shoot 45.5% from three-point range. Linton Alciles, coupled with Angelo Algieri. These two guys have been able to do a solid job down low for the team as well. You've had these two guys combined to be able to give you about 14 rebounds per game. Rylan Burgesson, the transfer from Central Arkansas, does a nice job being able to give you right around four and a half assists per game. But with Eastern Washington, this team does have a little bit of a woe when it comes to turnovers, right around 13 and a half per game. Now, Southern Utah does have those similar woes as well. But with Southern Utah, what I think is going to be big for the team is that they do a good job of being able to get the ball down low, and they're able to find a lot of easy twos. You've had someone in Tavion Jones be able to do a nice job with 15 and a half points per game, a guy that has really been able to do a good job with regards to his on-ball defending as well. You do have a Southern Utah team that they've got a whole bunch of guys that are able to do a nice job down low. You've got each of your top four scores giving you at least 4.3 rebounds per game. Dre Martin has been able to can 40, 85.5% of his free throws, more around a... I would say 37.5% three-point shooter. So has been able to do a nice job there. And when it comes to the Southern Utah team, one of the best things that they do is get to the free throw line often. They are in the top 15 in off-college basketball with regards to free throw attempts per game. It's also a team that they rank in the top 60 with regards to two-point shooting percentage. When it comes to three-point shooting percentage, has been a little bit more lax with that regard. But they also do a nice job of being able to get a couple live ball turnovers in every single game to turn those into easy buckets. And Moody has been able to shoot a little bit over 40% from three-point range. And then when it comes to Eastern Washington, it's a team that they can be a little bit or miss from three-point range. So I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in Eastern Washington in this game. I'm willing to lay the seven that we're seeing right now with East, with Southern Utah. And when it comes to total, I want to make in my total a 153.5. Seeing a mixture of 153s and 154s, I'd rather have a 153 over just because you've got a Southern Utah team that they rank in the top 50 with regards to possessions per game. Eastern Washington is not slowing down for anyone whatsoever as well. So I will be taking a look at the over in this spot. We're going to be gauging a little bit of line movement, but we'll take a 153 over and I am willing to lay the points. Also out there in the big sky, 
How about Weber State versus Montana State? 785-786 on the betting board. You got Weber State finding themselves a six-point favorite. Total on this game, it is ranging anywhere between 146 and a half. Seeing size of 148 out there as well. And when it comes to Weber State, I did wind up making them as well a six-point favorite. But with the six, I would rather take six with Montana State rather than lay six because you've got a Montana State team that may be able to do a good job down low. Jabri Bello is able to give you 13 points, six and a half rebounds per game. When it comes to this Montana State team, they shoot in the mid to high 30s from three-point range. And Weber State, contrary to popular belief, they're only shooting about 34% from three-point range. They've been able to get a little bit more down low ever since Dante Bassett has been able to come into the fold. But we've also got a double-double machine they have to take note of in this game that I'm going to be diving into a little bit more on the other side as... We're going into as many college basketball games as humanly possible over the next 90 minutes right here on the Greg Peterson Experience. Going to be continuing on with Montana State and Weber State next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. as madness you get beast all access to everything that we do now through the college basketball championship on april 4th for just 29 dollars. sign up now and you'll get our daily best bet emails 24 7 video access the upcoming college hoops betting guide bracket breakdowns plus full access to vcin.com with all of our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single game this deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit vcin.com slash madness to sign up today. As it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on vcin, the Sports Betting Network, and we are taking a look at everything that we've got on this college basketball Saturday of 150 games. I've had some of you guys ask, what is the most games that you've ever seen on a college basketball day? Answer, 150. So I, this is a jam-packed slate. This ties the most set. I've ever seen personally. I think that we might wind up breaking it on the Super Bowl Saturday next week because the day before the Super Bowl, because college basketball doesn't want to compete with the Super Bowl, you wind up just having all these games, all these teams play on Saturday. So that might be even more crazy. But that said, you've got an absolute insanely awesome board for this Saturday. And we were talking about Weber State versus Montana State, a six point line. And I wound up saying my line at six. Like I said, I would rather take six right now rather than late. I'm going to be waiting on a little bit of line move, which you got to feel like there's going to be a little bit of something that winds coming. But I mean, this is a Montana State team that you give them credit. They're 16 and five straight up. Xavier Bishop has been able to do a good job at the point guard spot for this team. Guy that's been able to give you a little bit over four assists, shooting 34.5% from three point range. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Amin Adamu. Someone who's been doing a solid job for this team. He chips in there a little bit over 10 points per game when it comes to his three-point shooting. Guy that's been able to shoot right around 37, 38% from three-point range. A little bit of a six-foot-five combo player. And that's just a lot of what Montana State is. You don't have anyone that's necessarily towering or anything like that. But they've done a good job of being able to play some positionless basketball. This is a team that they have been able to find quite a bit of success in their road games as well. And then for Weber State, you do have Kobe McEwen. Gentleman that winds up coming in. From Marquette, he's been able to do a nice job with being able to give you right around 15 and a half points, five rebounds, multiple assists, mid-30 three-point shooter. But when it comes to what you're able to get out of this Montana State team, they now have a down move back in the full, which does make that a little bit of a better matchup. Now, you've got Dylan Jones, 
for Weber State, who has been a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. 13.5 points, 10.5 boards, so he's averaging a double-double. You've also had Jamison Overton be able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range, but someone like Isaiah Porter, last year average double-figure shot 40% from three this year, down to more like 7 to 7.5 points per game. That is a little bit of an issue for Weber State, so at six or more, we'll take a shot here on Montana State. With this total, I did wind up setting it at a 148. You do have a Weber State team that they're not necessarily fast, they're not necessarily slow, and for Montana State, they're a little bit of an above-average tempo team, but once again, not necessarily a team that is going to absolutely gun it. Both of these teams rank, I would say, between 80 and 110 with regards to possessions per game, so both teams are a little bit faster. Both teams relatively solid on offense, so here with his total sitting right around 147.5, 146.5-ish, I'm willing to take a look at an over, and with regards to Montana State, we'll take 6-plus with them. When it comes to more of the earlier slate of college basketball. Got some really intriguing games out there as well. We wound up hitting on some of those West Coast games. So now about if we wind up going up East a little bit more as you've got yourself a very good one between UMass and Rhode Island, 653, 654 on the betting board. Got quite a bit of Atlantic 10 action as you've got Rhode Island finding themselves right now as a seven point favorite. Tolan's game is anywhere between 139 and 140 with UMass. It's been really interesting to look at this scene because you do have Noah Fernandez who's right now going through a concussion protocol, but even if he does not wind up going in this game, you've still got Rich and CJ Kelly. A pair of guys are able to give you a double-figure amount of points per game. Both of these guys do shoot 40-plus percent from three-point range. Trent Butterick has really been the main form of rebounding. Yes, that is the same Butterick. He's been able to give you five and a half rebounds per game. He's been able to do a nice job for this bunch. And then you take a look at the flip side for Rhode Island and You've got the Mitchell brothers, Makai and Mikkel. I believe that it is Mikkel who has been able to give you three blocks per game. These two guys combined to be able to give you about 12 boards. They are able to chip in there about 20 points per game. And Jeremy Shepard is now back in the fold for Rhode Island. Wanted missing a game or two earlier in the season. But a guy that gives you right around 10 and a half points per game, Ishmael Elamine, good three-point shooter for Rhode Island, is able to shoot 37% from distance. But you've got a battle of a UMass team that... I wouldn't necessarily call them overly up-tempo. They're a team that they're a little bit faster, but at the same time, they're not necessarily just gunning it. They're 137th of the country with regards to possessions per game, but you've got a Rhode Island team that they're more around 275th. Rhode Island, one of the more efficient defenses in all of college basketball. UMass, a top 35 team when it comes to points scored on a per-possession basis. I think that that's really going to be the battle to watch for in this game. I do think that UMass is going to be able to cause things to be very interesting. I don't think that they're going to be able to win this game outright, but take a look at this UMass bunch. I've actually liked what I've seen out of them throughout much of the season. I wound up saying this line at a six half. It is a game that has come down a little bit. Wound up opening up at, at eight. Now we're seeing a lot of sevens and I do think that it is the appropriate move, but with Rhode Island I think that there's a chance that this team does wind up getting sped up a little bit more. It's a UMass team that, we'll call it what it is, they're one of the worst teams at being able to guard the three-point arc in all of college basketball. They, they themselves are one of the best teams at being able to shoot it from three-point range at right around 40%. So I do think that you're going to see plenty of points up on the board. They wind up saying this total at 144. I'm willing to take it over. And as long as you're getting at least six and a half here, I feel comfortable taking the points with UMass. And what I think is going to be a relatively close game. How about if we stay out there in the Atlantic tennis, this St. Louis versus Dayton game, I think is going to be a really intriguing one as well. 633, 634. St. Louis opened up a three and a half point favorite. Now you're finding them between four and four and a half. And your total is going to be between 132 and a half. Seeing a straight 134 out there as well, but mostly seeing 132 and a half. 
This is a spot in which I do think that Dayton is going to be having revenge wreaked upon them. This is a Dayton bunch that when these two teams wanted poking up the last time, they wanted being able to get the win over St. Louis. And I think that St. Louis is going to be able to return the favor. I'm willing to lay up to five here with St. Louis. And a big reason why Yuri Collins and all that he's able to do. He's able to give you over eight assists per game. If he's not leading all of college basketball with regards to assists per game, he is second. He has also been... He got that turned the ball over a little bit too much, but St. Louis as a whole, right around 12 and a half to 13 turnovers per game. When you rank it the top 75 with regards to possessions per game, that's not necessarily too bad. And then with Dayton, this is a team that they get into trouble with regards to their turnovers. They turn the ball over right around 14 times per game. And it's not as if this is a team that is necessarily going out there and just gutting it. 326th in the country out of 358 teams with regards to possessions per game. You do have a St. Louis bunch that they themselves should be able to do a solid job against Dayron Holmes along to Marty Camaro down low. These two guys for Dayton give you a combined 20, 22 and a half points per game, by the way. If you notice that, there was a little bit of a power surge it looked like here, but that's because we're just putting all of our power into college basketball right now. But you do take a look at what you're able to get out of this UMass or out of this Dayton team. And I do think that you're going to have a relatively solid job relatively solid time being able to guard in the post because you do have Dayron Holmes being able to give you right around two and a half blocks per game. And then Malachi Smith has been able to do a good job being able to give you four assists. A guy that's able to give you right around 10 points per game as well. But when it comes to the St. Louis bunch, you've also got Gibson Jimerson who's been able to give you right around 17 points per game. He shoots nearly 40% for three. And for St. Louis, they shoot 37% from the outside, right around 77% at the free throw line. I think that that's really going to be the X factor here. Got a Dane team that they're okay with their shooting. They shoot right around 32, 33% from three, 70% in the free throw line. But Elijah Weaver has just not been able to give the seam that much recently. It's a bunch that they've just been all over the place. They wind up having the multi-team event out there in Orlando where they wind up knocking off Kansas. They wind up taking down Belmont and also Miami. At the same time, they've lost on their home floor to Lipscomb, UMass Lowell, and Austin P. So, this is one of the more up-and-down teams in all of college basketball. I do think that St. Louis is going to be able to take advantage of that, and they're going to be able to get their revenge. I'm willing to lay up to five here when it comes to St. Louis. And interesting with regards to the total, I wound up saying my total on this game at a 135. I do think that St. Louis is going to be able to kick up the tempo, and I think that you wind up getting a little bit of late game following in this one as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at an over, and I'm going to be willing to lay it here with St. Louis. How about if we wind up going out to the Big 12 for 639, 640? You've got West Virginia. They're going to be playing against the Texas Tech. Texas Tech opened up a five and a half point favorite. Right now, DraftKings, we're seeing a four and a half. We're seeing a couple fives out there as well. And your total on this game is 130 and a half. For West Virginia, they've been a team that has been close, but no cigar in a lot of their games. They really have been struggling ever since the first of the year to be able to get outright wins, but they've been very competitive. You wind up seeing that against Baylor, even with Ted Sherman going out of the full with a concussion. And Pierce is always not going to be going in this one. He has been ruled doubtful, so unless if you see otherwise, rule him out of your handicapping, but even with that, I think that West Virginia is going to be able to win this game outright. I set them as a one-point favorite because you do have a guy in Sean McNeil who's able to shoot 37% from three-point range, and I think that this is just a really bad scheduling spot in general when it comes to Texas Tech. You have to go down to Morgantown, traveling from the state of Texas there, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue, and when it comes to the Texas Tech team, they do a very solid job on defense, but they shoot sub-70% at their free throw line, they're a team that they shoot overall about 33% from three-point range. And I would argue that you're going to need to get 
a little bit more scoring in this game out of a guy like a Kevin McCuller. They've been dealing with injuries themselves out there in the backcourt. So we're going to be diving into that a little bit more on the other side and just going to continue to break down as many games as humanly possible on this college basketball betting board. We've got 150 of them that is coming up for the Saturday, and I'm going to try to give you a deep dive on as many of them as humanly possible. That's up next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now wherever you listen. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. One expert pick worth two times the points. Join the action on the biggest Sunday of the football season with the Oriole men expert pick. Play for free for your shot at a share of $10,000 in total cash prizes. Head over to DraftKings.com slash MenExpert and draft your lineup now before game time. L'Oreal, because we're worth it. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As it is a great Peterson experience right here on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. Doing everything I can to get through as many games as humanly possible. Give you guys picks and analysis and a deep dive. On all these games, anything that I don't wind up hitting on the show tonight, have no fear. You've got Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops, and able to be downloaded wherever you get your podcast. I've got you covered with literally a breakdown on all 150 games. Now, when it comes to the extra games, we had to go a little bit faster on those because you know, when you wind up having 150 games to break down and you've got a three-hour show to do, that causes things to wind up getting abbreviated a little bit more. But that said, it was abbreviated to the point of four, four hours and 39 minutes. So, yep, that was a little bit of a whopper on that one. And we've got a whopper of a matchup here as we're right now diving into Texas Tech versus West Virginia. And I like West Virginia outright in this spot just because with West Virginia, I do think that you're going to be able to have some success down low with this team. Texas Tech has been able to do a terrific job at being able to make things very tough. For teams, they're able to cause quite a few turnovers. West Virginia has been a team that they themselves have had a little bit of a tough time in the turnover battle, and they are going to be without Taz Sherman in this game. But you do take a look at what you're able to get out of West Virginia. This is a team that they do a relatively solid job on the glass. They don't necessarily have one guy that is really going to be giving you like 15-plus rebounds or anything like that. Don't wind up getting that twisted. But with that said, with West Virginia, I do think that they are going to be able to hold in this game a little bit more because Texas Tech, they themselves... Don't necessarily have that one prolific guy that is necessarily going to be able to haul in a bunch of boards. This is a 
West Virginia team that they've had a little bit of a tough time this season with it. But at the same time, you take a look at Texas Tech, if they aren't generating seals, it is a team that can be had a little bit more when it comes to this West Virginia team. What I think is going to be also very important for them is being able to have Malik Curry go off as well. He's been able to give the team double figures and now four out of the last six games, eight plus points in five of these contests was a little bit of an afterthought coming in from Old Dominion. And when it comes to free throw shooting with West Virginia as well, that has greatly improved. You take a look at where they were from the first game of the season to now, and it's night and day. This is a team that I remember coming on the show right around three weeks ago, and I was sitting here thinking West Virginia's free throw shooting was one of the biggest, I guess you call them knocks on them in, in their games. And now you take a look at them and it's actually been quite good as you take a look at them overall here in conference play. And it's a bunch that they've been able to shoot right in the neighborhood of about 77 ish percent at the free throw line. That's actually number one out there in the big 12. They also give you four and a half blocks for someone like Devon Kerrigan. It's been able to do a good job for you. And I do think that Texas tech with having a little bit of a banged up Terrence Shannon, You've had Kevin McCullough wind up scoring single figures in five out of the last six games for this team. And I think that just the emotional high of knocking off Chris Beard in your own stadium a couple days ago, I think that that's going to be a little bit tough to then turn around, go to Morgantown and get the win. So I like West Virginia on the money line. I think that both of these teams are going to be able to do a relatively solid job defensively. I want to be saying this total more around a 130 myself. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under and I'm going to be taking a look at the money line here of West Virginia. Uh, we're we're going to be going to a little bit of ACC action here. How about if we go 723-724? You've got Miami. They're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against Virginia. Cavaliers are finding themselves va- favorite. I know that y- you wound up having Tim Murray on the nightcap. He was a little bit befuddled by this line. I believe that you wound up having Sean King reflect those same sentiments as well as you've got Virginia finding themselves anywhere between a three and a half and a four point favorite totals anywhere between 127 and 128. I want to saying my total at a 125. I recognize that this is not the Virginia defensive hole, but it's still the number one team in the country with regards to fewest possessions per game. And what I do have caution with when it comes to Miami is that this is not necessarily a great defensive team. And this is a team that they get bludgeoned on the glass. In terms of rebound rate, they rank 307th in the country. When it comes to road games, it gets even worse for them. But this is also a Virginia team that, let's call it what it is. They're not necessarily stellar themselves. You do have Jaden Gardner. They will give you 14 points, seven half boards per game. So he's been able to do a solid job with that aspect. And then you take a look at Armand Franklin of Virginia. Guy that just has been able to shoot just 25% from three-point range at home. It has not necessarily been there from. Now, I will say, Kia Clark has been able to do a good job along three speakmen of being able to dish out the ball. They both give you about nine assists per game. And then you take a look at this Miami team, and what you've got to like about this team is the combination of Cam McGussey along with Isaiah Wong, as these two guys have been able to give you 33.5 points per game. Charlie Morris averaging a little bit over two steals per game. You wind up having that massive game against Duke where he wound up having more steals all by himself than Miami wound up having turnovers for them to be able to get the job done in that game. But when it comes to Miami, I do feel like this team is perhaps a little bit overvalued just because when it comes to Miami, it certainly is a squad that has been living a little bit of a charm life, being able to win. I believe it was four straight games by three points or fewer. That is something that it both is very good coaching. It's a lot of toughness, but at the same time, got to have the breaks go your way in those contests as well. With that said, I wound up saying this line at three. I think that the analytics are maybe a little bit too harsh on this Miami team. Miami doesn't do a great job on the glass, like I mentioned, but at the same time, with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, 
This has been one of the better teams out there in college basketball, and especially when it comes to conference play as well. This is a team that they play a pretty slow, pretty deliberate style, but yet they're still able to put the ball in the basket. When it comes to Miami, in regards to points guard on a per-possession basis, they are 35th in the country. For Virginia, it hasn't necessarily been the world's worst offensive team. They're 109th in this aspect. That's relatively to be expected out of a Tony Brennett-led Virginia team. The defense has been failing them a little bit, but you can tell that Virginia has been able to get back to basics a little bit more. I do think that this is a team that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job of being able to hold up on the paint. I think that there's going to be a lot of one-and-dones in this game with regards to the possession. So I did wind up saying my total out of 125. I'm looking at the under. With Miami, I don't want the, to have them involved in a money line situation, but at the same time, being able to get north of a field goal in this game, seeing it anywhere between three and a half and four, I'm going to take the point as I want to say my line three. I think that on neutral court, these two teams are relatively equal. So I'm going to be taking a look at the points here with Miami, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. When it comes to the West Coast, or when it comes to the Mountain West Conference, I should say, we do have a few interesting games out there as well. We wound up seeing a couple on Friday, and we're going to be getting a couple on Sunday as well. So the Mountain West treating us well. Everyone else winds up playing on Saturday. I can tell you right now, it's going to be a little bit of a bummer coming from 150 games on Saturday to 16 on Sunday. But Mountain West has us covered there, and they've got us covered on Saturday with 777-778. New Mexico hitting the road to face off against Air Force. Air Force is finding themselves a slight favorite in this spot. You're going to be finding them anywhere between a one-point favorite to a one-point underdog. This winds up opening up a pick and as I'm seeing it right now, about 50% of shops have New Mexico as a one-point favorite. About 50% of shots have have Air Force as a one-point favorite. So a little bit of a strange situation there. Totals anywhere between 134.5 and 135.5. And, and when it comes down to it, I think that home court advantage is really the big elixir in this game. I want to saying Air Force as a two-point favorite. So I'm going to take them as a one-point favorite. Or even better, if I'm able to get them as a money line underdog in the AM, I would be certainly very happy to be able to get them at like even money, even just laying like a minus 105, minus 103 for them to be able to win the game outright. That does appeal to me because with Air Force, I do think that they're going to have the best guard out there on the floor. And A.J. Walker, a guy that's able to shoot 40% from three-point range, chips in their 15 points per game, and is really a high-usage guy for an Air Force team that they rank in the bottom 30 with regards to possessions per game. You know who ranks in the top 30 with regards to possessions per game? That'd be New Mexico. This is a real battle of a team that really is going to be looking to kick up the tempo and a team that is looking to play very slow. When it comes to New Mexico, you just don't have a lot down low for this team. That is not ideal considering that Air Force's main kryptonite is the fact that they don't necessarily do a great job of being able to rebound. Jake Headbrider along with Ethan Taylor, they've been able to do a little bit more for this Air Force team, being able to combine for about 18 or so points per game. You've got a guy in Taylor who's been able to give you a little bit over four assists per game, and then you take a look at what you're able to get down low for this New Mexico team, and you really don't have anyone on the roster that is available because Jethro Muscadin, as we know, wound up going through that very, very sad and tragic accident, so... You wish he and his family absolutely nothing but the best there. But I mean, we are right now relying upon Javante Johnson along with J. Allen Tovar, who give you right around four and a half boards per game to really hold it down down low. Now, you do have Jamal Mashburn Jr. along Jalen House. These two guys have been absolutely terrific for the team. They're able to average a combined about 33 points per game. You get five assists per game out of House as well. And with New Mexico, solid three-point shooting team. They shoot 35% from three-point range. 
You got an Air Force team that they themselves shoot right around 36% from distance, but Air Force is just a little bit of a different team at home. We saw that when they were able to knock off Utah State. We have seen them be able to hang in there against some really good competition. I do think that if this game were at the pit, New Mexico would be able to pull it out, but I do think that the right side here is Air Force. I am willing to take Air Force as a one-point favorite slash a one-point dog, and I wound up saying my total at a 135. Would rather have a little bit more of an under of 135 slash 135 here, just because I do think that it is easier to slow a team down rather than speed one up. Now we've got to speed things up though myself though, because our number three, we've got to get through more college basketball games, give you more trips to the window next, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.